You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... It is Friday, and it is the third day in a row that the Pacers are not playing. The weirdest thing in the middle of the season to have these giant random gaps, but that means we get to cover a lot more stuff, interesting notes on players, injury updates, especially with Malcolm Brogdon, who has a concussion that's new, and minutes distribution, who Rick Carlisle is and isn't playing, specifically Terry Taylor, who I got a DNP last game against the Cavs. We're going to talk about all that today and joining me to do that. Friend of the pod, one of the most frequent guests in Lockdown Pacers history, Mr. Derek Kramer. You might know him as iPacers blog. Derek, how's it going, man? Pretty good. These breaks uh, used to be when I uh, produced more content. Like these were my favorite times to write because it's like the you don't have the quick turnaround. Like you have, they have time, your pieces have time to breathe. So I would love to like get something out on that first day and then it would have time for three days before a new game. <laughs> What I like about them is the stats don't update. So I, if I'm writing a story, it rolls over the next day. I don't have to go change all the rankings and the numbers, which is very nice. Uh, but the fever made a big trade, which filled my gap. Today, like I said, we're talking about Brogdon and his new injury, Chris Duarte's growth as a rookie, and Terry Taylor's minutes. And I'll start with the big news. Malcolm Brogdon, stunningly going to miss some time. Uh, he's got a concussion. It was learned at practice on Thursday, which he – Came against the Cavs, and I didn't even realize it, but when you watch the video, Evan Mobley grabbing a rebound, trying to yank it away from Jalen Smith, clocks Brogdon in the head. He's immediately feeling his head in pain, and somehow I didn't even notice. During the game, it was very obvious that it hurt his head, and a uh, big moment in that game, big shift, Evan Mobley grabbing that rebound. But he has a concussion, Malcolm Brogdon does. He's now in concussion protocols. Will miss at least the back-to-back this weekend the Pacers have against San Antonio and Atlanta, perhaps even more time. You never want to mess with concussions. Although, ironically, they do have only one game in the five days after the Atlanta game because this is the softest part of the schedule. So maybe he'll just miss three games, and that'll be that. Before we kind of cover who's going to benefit from this, what will look different about the team, what are the Pacers going to lose in the next couple weeks, Derek? Because Brogdon's been playing pretty well for this team. Yeah. um, It's crazy just how many different – injuries like it's it's always finding something new it's like and you can't like a concussion it's just like you got hit in the head not much you can do about that um yeah brogdon's really good it's uh it's gonna be interesting it's back to the halliburton show fully um which honestly i'm more than okay with (laughs) at this point in the year (laughs) yeah i i i don't think they'll like be way worse. So Brogdon's been really, really good for since the all-star break when he's been available, obviously not playing in the back-to-back when we'll be playing in these games, but I mean, his stats are fantastic. He, as he described it as he changed positions to the two guard and in that off ball role a little bit, he's been attacking the defense in a different way. And it, it, he's been awesome, quite frankly. I mean, his stats in the six games since the break, he is averaging uh, 22 points, six assists, six rebounds per game on 44, 39, 83 splits. That's a damn good player, and he's often guarding the other team's best player as well. So obviously the Pacers will suffer uh, in terms of impact. I don't think they necessarily are devastated by that fact, but they, they will be worse, right? They lost to Orlando without Brogdon already coming out of the break. Like They, they clearly are a much worse team without him. Uh, that said, I know you were looking this up too. The big benefit, like you mentioned, is Halliburton will run the show more. And 
you know, most of the games they've been playing, I would say about three quarters, not nah, more than that, three and a half quarters of the time, those two are sharing the floor. Halberd's touches are about the same, whether or not Brogdon's in the game. But in the last five minutes, that completely shifts and it, the ball all goes to Brogdon and it has been in these in these stretches. So I certainly think we'll get to see if there are any, some more clutch reps for Halberton. And numerically, this kind of stunned me. With Tyrese Halberton on and Malcolm Brogdon on the court in the six games they've played together, about 24 minutes per game, ironically, uh, this season, Pacers net rating is minus 14.5. And with just Halberton on and Brogdon off, it's minus 0.6. They might actually be okay in these games, Derek. Yeah, it's kind. Of, I saw the same numbers uh, when I was looking them up today. I was very surprised. Uh, did not expect to see that big of a jump, especially because, like we talked about, like Brogdon's been very good since the All Star break. Like the, his three point shooting has jumped to that thirty nine percent, and he's only at thirty one percent on the season. So, like it's it's very odd that that those numbers exist, uh, especially considering like the game he didn't play in Orlando like they got crushed so you think Halliburton's numbers would have also gotten crushed in that game without Brogdon on the court um well well to interrupt you for a second the reason why they're so staggering is if you flip the script it's actually more dramatic where Brogdon plus Halliburton obviously still minus 14.5 but Brogdon no Halliburton is plus 20.2 20.2 net rating which again it's only six games since they've had both on the roster at the same time so we're talking about like 70 minutes of game time. That's nothing. But yeah, I mean, the, the Pacers have been, look, I think they fit well together and I don't think they're playing poorly together, but the numbers are like, holy crap, one at a time. So uh, perhaps solo Halliburton could be good for the team. Yeah, that could be a good sign if he's if he does stick around in the future for him running the bench units for sure. Um, the... I lost my thought. Uh, <laughs> the, I really uh, tried to thought with an interruption about the the just. I can't believe how those numbers. Like yes. I, I I do believe it. I guess, but I'm also was like that. Like that's a 34 point net rating swing for Brogdon and Halberns in and out. Like that seems crazy because they fit well together. Like they're connecting on assists. They're attacking off of each other. And a lot of the difference is defense. And that could be it. Like the the defense gets almost tw- over 10 points per hundred possessions better when it's just one of them. And that just kind of feels fluky to me almost you know that's where the small sample really comes in yeah even just small sample size just that big of a jump i mean like six games is nothing but it's not super small where you would expect those giant crazy numbers right so the rotation is going to be kind of wild at point guard because lance is also hurt still dealing with that ankle injury uh that actually has gotten a little worse i think um you know he he didn't do a full practice this weekend and as we know of lance you know (laughs) For him to not play, I mean, he, he's hurt, hurt, you know. And mm-hmm. so that obviously sucks for him because he'd have a big opportunity with Brogdon out. So these two games this weekend, I mean, Kiefer Sykes might be playing some serious minutes. They're going to need someone to to play guard, and maybe they can finally do something I've been wanting and play Duarte as the reserve one a little bit. They did it for about two or three games uh, after Brad Wanamaker was waived, and it went okay. Uh, but they haven't really gone back to it, and Duarte's missed some time, obviously, influencing that. But you know, the guard rotation without Lance and Brogdon at the same time again is going to be very interesting. They haven't really had this low of depth since the, the trades they made. Yeah, I think the I think one of the big downsides is just like how many minutes is Halliburton going to get? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, early on, he's playing over 40 and just like really need to see him play that. We don't need to add another guy to, to the entry list this season. <laughs> um, the 
Yeah, but Sykes is definitely going to play. Maybe Dwayne Washington gets another run at point. It doesn't seem like those minutes typically go very well. He's definitely more of uh, a no. two-guard. <laughs> no, no, they have not. <laughs> it, was, it has been good to see him actually get some shots to go in lately, though. Yeah, Keeper, Keeper started really great with the Pacers. Like to, He earned his spot on the team. Is a more than capable third, fourth emergency guard, whatever. But he's he quietly has struggled a little bit in his recent appearances. Like He hasn't hit a shot in a game since February 15th, which is a little unfair to say. It's only been 28 minutes of time, but he's quietly gone kind of cold as well. Uh, hasn't shot over 40% in a very long time, so they're going to need him to step up. Although, again, I don't think they'll be devastated if they lose either of these games this weekend. So a good opportunity for Kiefer to get some some rhythm back and get some more reps because, again, he hasn't been playing that much. Only three appearances uh, since the All-Star break. So it'll be interesting to see how much he can do coming in cold or if they experiment a little bit, which is what Rick Carlisle's been doing a little bit since the break. Like like you said, will Dwayne play the backup one? He did for a little bit of time when Lance was hurt before Duarte came back and in and, and that game Brogdon was out in Orlando, for example, and, and that wasn't perfect for him. You know, he's a good quick decision maker, but his passing is very basic passes. Uh, and when combined with his <laughs> pension for just quick trigger shooting, if he's off when he's at point, he looks really rough. And Duarte obviously hasn't had a ton of reps at that position either. So they might need Kiefer to play pretty well if they want to win these games. For sure. For sure. I think uh, my thought finally came back to me from forever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, not good. Not a good start for Braga Burton with the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Braga Burton. Is that where the thought came uh, back? Nothing. Nothing is ever going to roll off the tongue for a combined name <laughs> like your bonus, but you know, try, I'm trying some things out, but the, I think one thing is that is nice about it is like you said, the clutch, when we mentioned the clutch stats between Brogdon and Halliburton is that now we'll get to see Halliburton kind of run that show in, well, if the games are close. But typically it seems like the Pacers find a way to make the games close no matter yeah. what. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see Tyrese Moore in clutch. Um, when I looked up the different games, like before Brogdon came back from injury in four clutch games, Halliburton had a 24% usage rate, so he's getting those reps. Um, 50% of the team's assists in those four games. Wow. Four clutch games uh, with Brogdon, his usage rate drops to 18.8% and only 11% of the team's assists. Wow. Brogdon, in those minutes, uh, his usage rate is 354 and that's up from even his whole season is 32%. So, and I, I looked up what's like, just like terms of what the league ranking is. That's 30th in the league. So it's not like completely ridiculous. Um, like Trey Young's like, like 46%, like all the, <laughs> like the big superstars are way up there. Um, but Brogdon's usage rate normally, like throughout the course of the game is only 24.6%. So he really takes it up a notch in terms of trying to take over at the end of the game. And you really like, like the clutch obviously has not gone well for the Pacers in any stretch of the imagination. Like we know what Brogdon clutch and Karis Levert was very bad in the clutch this year for the Pacers. We know what that looked like. Like the Pacers need to see and need to give Halliburton those reps, especially as a guy who struggles with aggression at times. So like you want to see him like you got to be the guy, do it. And like, cause this is your chance to learn and see, see what you can do in these moments and get more confidence just being that guy. So I actually think Brogdon is like a slightly above average clutch player in the NBA. Like he's shown he's pretty good in those situations, but when you're only slightly above average and your team's defense in the clutch is 
<laughs> approaching worst ever sort of levels. I mean, they are just horrible, horrible in the clutch. You know, it doesn't matter. So then at that point, give the reps to the young guy who's going to be the future of your franchise. So it's not even necessarily like, like I get that Malcolm's usage maybe shouldn't jump that much. But to me, it's just that it's also like Buddy Heald getting some shots or Jalen Smith taking a clutch three. It's like, give Tyrese the ball. Just give, just give Tyrese the ball. I don't, I don't even care if he shoots or gets an assist. Just like let him do something. Get those reps in those minutes. That I think is very key. And yeah, Brogdon's probably a little too high of usage. I agree with that. But he's still actually good enough that I'm I'm, I'm not going to kill Rick for that, for him specifically, but the totality of all the players, I think, is where I get a little lost. I think Brogdon being out means we could see history Saturday if Greg Popovich uh, passes Don Nelson for the winningest coach in NBA history against the Pacers. That could happen. That'll be fun. Indiana legend Greg Popovich from Indiana. Yeah, he helped uh, Rick Carlisle quite a bit in his career, too. Rick had a ton of praise for him earlier in the season, so that'd be pretty cool. I will say the I looked up just the Pacers clutch, like the net. Obviously, you you talked about in previous pods, like the net rating in the clutch is kind of messy, but they are 29th in the league in offensive net offensive rating as well. So like offense and defense both yeah. in the clutch have just been so bad all year. In past years, their offense was not great, and their defense was decent. And now their defense is. Just- I looked up the. I was very surprised at how high. Like the defense was like third two years ago. Yeah. Like they were. They were great. Like yeah, the, that's what made them not even closer. But now you Danberg, can. Danberg effect, of course, soon. and Nate <laughs> McMillan always getting everybody to try hard that's for forty-eight right. minutes. So without Brogdon, yeah, they'll be maybe a little worse in the clutch. Probably a little worse in general. But the Halbert and Solo minutes, like we mentioned, have gone well enough that. They could be okay, and he's played 11 games with the Pacers. Eight of them have gone into crunch time. So there's a high chance we see at least one clutch game this weekend for the Pacers as they go against Greg Popovich and former head coach Nate McMillan. Let's move on and talk about one Chris Duarte who is back from injury after his toe injury that plagued him for a while, playing more with Halbert and playing more with the new team, which is always tough for rookies that they get to the NBA, they have to learn so much. And then they have to jump in with the new roster. Before we talk about Chris Duarte, let me tell you guys about the good folks over at betonline.ag. It's that time of year again. College basketball's tournament is finally upon us. And by God, Derek, there's a chance the Indiana Hoosiers are in it after a crazy Thursday for IU. And for the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports netting, sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot. For all your sports scores, sports podcasts, and sports news this season, it's not just basketball. They're your continued source for all sports wagering and information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to that website today, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to sign up today and learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, everybody, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every day to listen to me and Derek talk sweet nothings about the Indiana Pacers for your second listen, go check out Locked On Spurs. Hear how close Greg Popovich is to breaking the record. They have a game before the Pacers game. Perhaps he already breaks it before that one happens. Chris Duarte is back, Derek, after a not lengthy hiatus, but it felt lengthy in the in terms of the All-Star break was in there and they got a whole new team. I was like, oh, yeah, Duarte's on this team. <laughs> not even play. He played on Tuesday against the Cavs. That was his first game uh, since the road trip where he played against Orlando and re-aggravated the toe injury that – he originally re-aggravated against Minnesota back on the February 13th. So he's only played in three games since the All-Star break, and in two of them he played about 15 minutes. So we don't have a ton of evaluation on him so far. But how do you feel like, you know, in, in the four or five games he's played with the New Look Pacers, that he's kind of fit in with these new guys? Yeah, I really – like, I like the fit. 
um it's just yeah just seeing it more really it's it's kind of strange like yeah. he's like the first good pacers rookie pick in so long and like i feel like i, I feel the same way like i forget about him at times because he's he just kind of <laughs> he's just not the all these crazy things with the deadline and all that stuff but yeah i think the, the fit's definitely there it's just a matter of him finding out how he fits in and then with buddy like probably wanting to start we probably don't see it as much as, the, as much of Halliburton and Duarte together as maybe you'd like right now, but that'll hopefully work itself out as time goes on. I am still pro Duarte off the bench this season. The next season, I don't think so as much because this year, the, down the stretch, I just talked about this with Alex Golden on setting the pace earlier today. So I've got these thoughts fresh in my head. Uh, you know, I think that the data evaluation part, obviously you want a lot of Duarte plus Halliburton data. And I'll talk about that in a couple of seconds. But I think the more important data collection is the veterans with Hal Burton because they might not be on the team next year, whereas Chris Duarte will certainly be on the team next year. So with Duarte, what's more important to me is getting him reps, and he gets more with the second unit, well, at least in theory. That hasn't been like perfect in practice. But to me, that's why I think it makes more sense to have him come off the bench, and he can still be the first sub and play with starters and play with whatever good guard you want or both good guards at the same time. And so I think that that makes, to me right now for these last – 17 games, 16 games. I would keep, keep keep him coming off the bench, but that, that that wasn't really the purpose of this conversation. It's just something interesting. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that's the right role for him to get the reps. But with Halburn, so far this so far, not a ton of minutes. Uh, they are currently at 73 minutes. They have a plus 0.2 net rating. So that's not anything. That's not a big sample or a big plus, but it's a plus. Dang it! Pacers fans can hang their hat on something. It's actually one of those goofy ones where. They have three more defensive possessions than offensive possessions. So their raw plus minus is negative, but their net rating is actually positive. Very confusing. But, yeah, they've done pretty well with those two on the court together, which I find fascinating uh, because that that's really important to monitor. Like those two guys are potentially the future of this team. Uh, so monitoring how they play together is interesting. And I think so far, and, and given their skill set, they're not going to be a bad fit. And I'm rambling here. But so far, I think that Duarte plus Halberton has been a pretty good fit together. I definitely agree. It's just just a matter of seeing it more. Uh, one thing I noticed when I was diving into Duarte's stats, um, have you noticed his home and road splits? Oh no! Do we have a new McDermott? We have a we have a new road McDermott. Road oh Duarte. no! Oh, he's a road he's a road he's specialist. A road, he's a road specialist. He's so I was so surprised when I noticed this. I was just like seeing like do you have any like major slumps this year? Like I looked at his monthly splits, like pretty consistent oh my gosh oh my it's gosh. it's crazy yeah so his his shooting percentage at home is 39.8 percent wow his three-point percentage is 32.8 percent true shooting percentage 50.2 usage rate 21.2 um so but then road jumps up from 39.8 to 46.7 percent three-point percentage goes up to 40.2%. And then the true shooting percentage jumps up 7%. Usage rate stays about the same, 21.9%. So wow. <laughs> very, very, very surprising to see that, especially for a rookie to be that much of a difference on the road. Yeah, that that is surprising to me. I, that's not like with McDermott, I ended up noticing, you know, there was a point and I think his lateness for season one was like, wow, you know, he he's having these crazy games and none of them are at home. I haven't noticed with Duarte yet. You know, I haven't been like, oh, wow, okay. That's crazy. I did not realize that. We, we need a new guy with crazy splits to track <laughs> on, on the internet to be dorky. So I'm glad that that one exists. Yeah, Duarte, 
uh, and a kind of a serious player progression statistical note. You know, as he's grown his rookie season, the I still think he can be a, a lot of roles. I don't want to box a guy in after one year, especially a unique situation where he's 24 but hasn't been playing basketball his whole life, stuff like that. You know, I, I sometimes people think about what's his best skill, what would his best role be. I don't want to box him in, but I will say right now, I've been very impressed recently with his catch and shooting ability. You know, I think that is he's showing is probably what he's going to be able to hang his hat on his whole career. Right now, 39.3% on catch and shoot shots right now as a rookie. And he takes tough ones. Like he's willing to take them contested or off of one dribble with the man in his face. And he's got the shot fake one dribble shot. That is a really important skill, both that shot fake shot and just being able to be a good catch and shoot guy. So I don't view him as like an awesome shooter yet. He takes a lot of tough ones and uh, you know, his non catch and shoot percentage is much lower, obviously, but he's still an above average three point shooter. He's a good movement shooter. He's fearless. So I think as he grows in with reps in the NBA and gets stronger and gets a little bit better at wiggling free, I think he's going to be an elite shooter. I'll use the word. I think Chris Duarte is going to be an elite shooter. So regardless of his other skills, which he's okay off the bounce and is getting better at his decision making on drives, again, I would like to see him play some point guard. I think it's, I, I'm getting close to the point where I've already said I think he's going to be an elite three point shooter. Good, good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> the, like I, I think one of the things I've been most impressed about is just he's so poised. Like he doesn't, nothing gets him rushed. Like that, those one dribble, like pump fake one dribble threes just look so pretty. They're just beautiful to watch. Um, takes tough shots, but he, the, those twos that he hits are just like they're incredible sometimes. Some of the little fadeaways that he does and the tough contested ones. He did one of his classic, uh, going right at a big matchup like one of his one of the top rookies when he went went one-on-one -on -one against Evan Mobley and hit a fadeaway baseline two and got the and one like <laughs> very impressive yeah uh, so the the part of the reason I've been tracking his stats so much recently is because I noticed not long after the all-star break that like only one-fifth of his shots are are at the rim which is really low and that matches the eye test but I didn't realize how low it was and I think he can be better but a lot of times on drives, he wants to pull up or like take the tough, tough mid-range shot, like kind of like Jason Tatum does. But Jason Tatum's obviously like a stud. He can get away with it. Duarte, I think, because he maybe he'll get to this skill, but like he does not get all the way to the rim. I think that's going to make him more likely to become a shooter or a movement guy who draws in the defense that way and is bending it off of screens instead of the guy who they're like here dribble the ball. Like for example, O'Shea Brissett takes. 13% more of his shots from zero to three feet. And some of his are off of cuts and passes, obviously, but even he has, you know, grown in his handle enough that he can get to the rim more often than Chris Duarte. And I don't consider O'Shea Brissett like some guy to ever be like, yeah, he's going to be a threat with the ball in his hand. So I think Duarte has got to get better driving to the rim, but the fact that he can still be effective with tough shots from all over the floor, he still is a decent mid range shooter, which it's fine if he takes them. Uh, like you just talked about with that shot over Mobley. But the more I look into his statistical profile, and again, I don't want to box him into anything as a rookie, just right now I feel like I get the sense that he's trending towards an elite shooter with other skills. I think that's completely fair. I mean, that's kind of what the kind of the knock on him in the draft was too, right? Like he didn't really get to the rim a lot, settled for a lot of tough twos, but – like he makes if you make him go ahead you know what i mean like who cares it's funny it's funny that you mentioned tatum like i like those tough twos remind me of tatum i didn't want to mention it because it just sounds ridiculous <laughs> well you're not comping their ability well you're comping one yeah, you're not comping their abilities you know what i mean right 
Like when I say Isaiah Jackson's going to be the best shot blocker for on three pointers. Now he's not going to block the most shots to be the best blocker. I think he'll lead the league in block three pointers. You know who's really good at that? Chris Boucher. And that's just like that's not a comparison of players. Like they're they're not even kind of similar, just, but Chris, yes. Similar skills. Yes. Yeah. So, see, I, I made it a negative. I did it to Chris Boucher and Jason Tatum. So now, now no one can accuse me of biases. But yeah, like Tatum at Duke, everybody was like, oh, he doesn't get to the rim that much. And he takes all these tough twos. And now he's really good at those tough twos. And he's one of the best 15 players in the NBA. Actually, Jason Tatum's on a tear. Jason Tatum's been one of the best 10 players in the NBA uh, in 2022. So, Duarte's obviously not going to be that good. But he's got the tough shot making skills too. And if he can add that tough shot making at like forty five percent off the bounce, then he's your closer, right? Then then he's a lot of stuff. So I, I, I would really he, like to. I would really like to see him get some clutch reps too. Really, I mean, he's hit some huge buzzer beaters like at the end of quarters. Obviously, the Lakers one is the the biggest one, but even that, like that wasn't his rep. Like somebody found him in the corner. So I'm gonna break the rules because we're going long segment here. But you brought this up to me, so we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, do you think his all-rookie chances are dwindling? Because this is a good rookie class, and I think he's kind of teetering on that 8 to 11 or 12 all-rookie tier right now. Yeah, like, yeah, we talked about this in DMs just a little bit. Like, this rookie class is so good. There's no way he's making first team now. No he's shot. Fallen, he's fallen too far, and this rookie class is just that good. Um, yeah, I think if he makes it, he's going to be riding that start. Like people's opinion of him at the beginning of the year is gonna gonna ride him to maybe getting that second team, maybe nine or ten. <laughs> like Scotty, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Cade, they're all like insane. Giddy. And then Herb Jones is insane. Io's insane. Kuminga's you haven't even, met, you haven't huh? even mentioned Josh, like Josh Giddy when he. Yeah, Giddy. <laughs> there's I mean, so many. Ao's really good. Like <laughs> there's so many good ones. Yeah, there's a ton of good rookies. Shingun's on a tear now. Franz Wagner with Orlando's really good now. You know, so I I think that he still can make it. But like Moses Moody's all of a sudden playing well too. Like Cam Thomas been good. Yep. Machine. You know, I I still think he'd probably be like one of the last three guys who makes it, but he needs to have a nice close to the season because there are guys hot on his tail. This opportunity with Brogdon will be fascinating. And a more nuanced discussion comparing him to some of these other rookies could be in order. But, I mean, every day I feel like I'm like, oh, my gosh, that guy's a rookie and he's killing it for XYZ team. Speaking of rookies, one Terry Taylor is not playing that much for the Pacers right now, much to my surprise after a great run from him at times earlier the season, did not play in their last game, only seven minutes in the game before that, got two BS garbage time minutes against Boston. Some injuries allowed him to play with Goga out in between that, but his rotation spots kind of teetering. I don't know if that's right, but it's kind of hard to say for the Pacers. Let's talk about Terry Taylor's minutes, but Derek, before we do that, I got to tell the people about the good folks over at Bill Bar, the longtimest sponsor of Lockdown Pacers and my favorite because they make the best tasting protein bars ever. 100% covered in chocolate, delicious protein bars. I have one basically every single day. They come in so many delicious flavors, and I don't mean to be rude to other brands, but those protein bars kind of suck. Bill Bars do not. They're actually delicious. They come in a bunch of amazing flavors, so there's something for everybody. My favorite is the peanut butter brownie. The cookie dough is really good. The mint chocolate's really good. They have fruit flavors. They have puff flavors with marshmallow infusion. They're delicious. They're low-calorie and high-protein. There's a bunch of macros for what they specifically are on their website. But that makes them perfect to replace candy bars because they're just as good but way healthier. you got to go try them. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. When you check out, you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code, again, is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thank you, as always, everybody, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every single day. Go check out Locked On Now for the latest 
around the league from our local experts covering every single team. If you want to hear more about Sixers-Nets, crazy first game of James Harden versus his old team and Ben Simmons in the building versus his old team, that's your place to go and start off your day. Terry Taylor did not play in the last game for the Pacers. Only played seven minutes in the game before that where they lose to the Wizards. And, Derek, I don't the, – the problem with Terry Taylor and talking about Terry Taylor is I have never seen a player like him before, ever. No player 6'5 is a bully in the post and an elite rebounder. It's just not a thing that I know how to talk about. And that makes it hard to be like, yeah, this is the obvious optimal role for this guy. But he would be second – if he qualified for the minutes leaderboards, he'd be second in the NBA – in offensive rebounds per 36. He's an incredible finisher, over 70% around the basket. He's a good cutter. He's a decent defender. He's a good screener. He's just good, and he's a rookie, and he's valuable. And I kind of am befuddled. I get why, but I'm kind of befuddled that they can't find any minutes for him in some of these games. It's Yeah, he's just – he's been so good. Like, uh, it's very weird, especially with – like, you've mentioned this so many times, <laughs> just with the contracts situation with – Jalen Smith, like, just steal some of his minutes. Yes. Done. Get Terry, Did get it. Terry Taylor out there. Like, his, it's so funny, too, like, looking at his basketball reference page. Like, his position is listed as shooting guard. Can we find him some wing minutes? Like, we've used O'Shea. They've used O'Shea at the three. Like, put Terry Taylor at the three. Let's see what that what looks like. Why not? Um, see what that rebounding is like as a wing like how does that affect things can he can he space the floor a little more i've seen it i've seen him hit a couple threes but i don't know the last time i saw him actually take one yeah that that's that's not one i want to see more i don't want to see more outside shots <laughs> from him necessarily but i mean like they've been awful as a perimeter rebounding team for years and they have one now and they're not playing him and he thinks you know his natural position small ball four but i like you think Try him at the three. I mean, he's only 6'5", so I get well, who cares. But, you know, not playing him at all feels wrong, especially, and you nailed it. Like, so so here's the thing about the very last game they played when he got a DMP against the Cavs. Goga deserved the minutes because he was awesome against the Wizards and was good again in that game. All right, so Goga had to play. Plus, they're definitely trying to evaluate him right now. Ijax, they're starting. Same kind of deal. He's a rookie. He's better than Terry Taylor. Unique skill set. All right, play him. I, I get that. O'Shea Brissett, only 23 only one year older than than Terry Taylor, better, deserves to start, fits well with their rookies. Like, I get those guys playing. And I even get playing Jalen Smith a couple minutes. He's actually good. He's he's playing well for this team. He was huge in the fourth quarter. But to play Jalen Smith, what was it, 29 minutes? 28 minutes and 19 seconds. And again, Jalen Smith played well. He had 15 points. And played Terry Taylor zero does not seem helpful for the future of your team unless you're very confident you're keeping Jalen Smith. And I don't know that they can be. So I – you know, I don't want to say it's obvious, just take Jalen Smith's minutes and give them to Terry Taylor. Maybe you take some of O'Shea's minutes. He's been struggling recently. Maybe you take some of, I don't know, there's a million guys. Really, you could take anyone's. And with Brogdon out, perhaps they can sh- shuffle some positions around and get him in there. But it just feels like with his skill set and his age and that he should be playing every game. Completely agree. But uh, I was looking at, his, <laughs> looking at his splits too. His numbers and <laughs> like, I think it's just four games. <clears throat> but when he's played between 30 and 36 minutes, which neither of us are advocating for, but <laughs> when he's, when he's played in over 30 minutes, he's averaging 18 and a half, 12 and a half. And then wow. his, and his usage rate in those games is like 17%. So he's just like filling in the cracks, not even like taking a huge share of possessions and just putting up numbers. 
69% true shooting when he plays that many minutes. That's higher than when he plays uh, in 20 to 29 or 10 to 19. Like his offensive skill set clearly translates to any amount of minutes to me. Just like being a motor guy on the glass and a good finisher, it doesn't really matter. If you can do it the whole game, if you have the energy to do it the whole game, like you'll it'll work no matter how long you play. The problem, and ironically, we talked about this yesterday, unplanned with Adam Fromel is like, the problem for him is if he's like against if he's at center and he's been he hasn't been playing center as much since you know he was only playing center with the old team when there was a bunch of injuries he's only four now, but if he's going against like a really talented post starter I think he'd get a little beat up because of his height. So there are some limit yeah like you said we're not advocating for him to play thirty minutes. There are some limitations I think on how much you can play him at least at his current skill set on defense. Maybe he gets super springy or really strong and then he can count on it a little more, but. But but and he's definitely good enough to play against bench units and definitely has enough floor skills and, and 15 and feet and out to 15 feet skills to play the four or the three. So to find it, to finding him in, it should be way easier than they're making it so far. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's like part of the reason why you need to play him at those like lower spots than the five. Like, yes, his def- defensively him guarding like Vooch or somebody like that, like that's not going to go well on that end. But like we, we saw that exact matchup go poorly. Yes. For him this yeah. <laughs> yes. No surprise. It's not going to go well for a, an all-star center against a six foot five guy. Like no matter how strong Terry Taylor is, he's not going to be able to stop that guy. But I, that, I think that's exactly why you need to see like, can his rebounding and all the other things that he does, like, can that work as a three? Like, what does that look like for everybody else on the right. floor? How does, does the spacing work? All that stuff. Vooch had 36 and 17 when Terry Taylor was guarding him. And Vooch has not been as good this year as he was last year. And I am not saying those stats to say, wow, Terry Taylor is an awful defender because he's 6'5". I don't expect him to be able to guard Nikola Vucevic. They just kind of had to because of what their center rotation was in early February. But that that is exactly why he can't play that many minutes because he would get forced into some of those matchups every so often. And at his height, you naturally want to be like switch, but then you're like, oh wait, now a guard is guarding him. <laughs> so it it's just tough that to, for him that he is the height he is because he's very very good on the glass. He's a very good finisher, and that's the kind of guy you want to explore the minutes for. It's just they they kind of they kind of can't play him a ton, but they have to play him some. I think zero is is wrong. I mean, I think it, you know there's a they can make him restricted free agent. There's a pretty good chance he's back on the team next year unless he doesn't want to be. But I mean, <laughs> I don't know how he feels. It's just. It seems like he he's a natural fit to be on this team long term and is very good at something that a lot of guys in this team are not. Yeah, we talked about uh, clutch stats earlier when I was looking those looking those up. He uh, very small sample size because he hasn't played a lot. Uh, he's shooting a hundred percent in clutch. <laughs> it's probably like two <laughs> offensive rebounds and putbacks. I remember one of them, um, but yeah, like but that's something that like they could use in the clutch time, like his rebounding skill especially like we see that so often against the Pacers where they give up key, key rebounds and key moments and give up those two points there where they just couldn't get the stop. Like Terry Taylor could maybe add that to this group. Remember the five games before the all-star break when he averaged six offensive rebounds a game. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's ridiculous. Six, five guy. Like that's crazy for anyone. I know. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Can you imagine like who was six five? Who's six five? Like Lance is close. Well, Lance was a good rebounder actually for a little bit. Who's like not a good rebounder than six five? Can you imagine Brogdon getting six offensive rebounds over thirty offensive rebounds over five games? Basically, like 
No way. It's, it's I think I, I think I saw uh, Ben Pfeiffer said this like Terry Taylor is what everyone like wanted Alice Johnson to be. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, feels so perfect. Like he's a little bit more undersized, but like Terry Taylor like filled that hole that that everybody thought Alice Johnson. Yeah. Not to not to make this a dump on Alize session, but like I think Alize is a better rebounder than Terry just because he's taller, but he's way worse at like the other stuff, like dribbling yep. and, and, and finishing around the rim and stuff like that. I also still can't believe Alize Johnson's not on a team. He is actually quite talented. Um, I'll always root for that guy. Very funny. <laughs> yeah, he's been on four teams this year, right? Like he's been around the league, but yeah, he he was good for the Pacers, and I think that he can find another home. And similarly though, Terry Taylor has shown, you know, if you have that motor, you can always get on the floor and Terry Taylor has not been getting on the floor. So I think it's important. The Pacers find a way to do that. And they've got a good chance in this back-to-back with now Brogdon and Lance out to shuffle the rotation a little. If they move Duarte down, maybe a guard spot or Dwayne down, there could be minutes for him. Uh, that's another way to get him in there. Maybe if they don't want to hammer Kiefer Sykes, a bunch of minutes, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting weekend. We'll cover it all here. Come Monday, Derek. Where can people follow you and anything you might have to say about the Pacers? Uh, at iPacers blog, um, I'm going to follow in uh, Chris Duarte and Miles Turner's footsteps and take a one-day trip to Disney World here in a week or so. So <laughs> that's my last word on the Pacers. <laughs> one-day trip to Disney World. That's <laughs> I, I We can all use a one-day trip to Disney World. Derek, thank you very much for the time. Everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy the two Pacers games on a back-to-back. It should be fun to finally watch them after a long hiatus. If you're a college fan, enjoy your Big Ten teams in Gamebridge Fieldhouse this week. I have been enjoying the Big Ten tournament immensely, mostly because IU had a great comeback in their first game. We'll be back Monday talking Pacers, obviously. You can follow me at TEastNBA and this show at Lockdown Pacers. I'm going to start using the account for tracking games that the Pacers have rooting interest in for the rest of the season. I'm going to thread it every day for the rest of the month. It's going to be awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend, and we see you on Monday.